Report. Everything's status quo, sir. Very well. If um, anyone needs me, I'll be in my ready room. To the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek: The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week, we're recapping an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation and bringing you stories from the set of Star Trek: The Next Generation, told to you by people who worked on Star Trek: The Next Generation. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant Services of Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are we doing today? Mitch, I gotta say, it feels weird moving into season three without uh, without any break. We're working hard. It, it, you know, we considered maybe you considered having a break, and uh, I, I put the kibosh on that very quickly. It's uh, yeah. Well, um, look, I, I get it. I get it. We have ensigns we need to provide for. So that's true. Here we are, season three. Yeah, I look and I looked into it. The um, on Patreon, most people have have it set that they only pay when the episode goes up rather than monthly. So yes, yeah, yes, it was never so. really an option. Mm-hmm to take a break uh especially you know with christmas coming up we need the, the extra money to grease our our wheels on buying presents yeah mostly uh mostly for ourselves of course right 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 um uh, i leave the other people's gifts to santa and the my gifts to me mm-hmm. yeah and you know that that kind of takes the load off santa a little bit which i think is very very helpful he very appreciates generous. it have you ever given Santa Claus a plate of cookies? Um, yes, quite a few times, actually. Um, sometimes he doesn't eat them. Yeah, that's weird. The only time that Santa's eaten my cookies has been when I've had company over. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he's just more attracted to houses with larger numbers of people. But... Yeah, maybe, maybe he thinks they've been like taste-tested. Right. Well, so here's the thing. Back in the old days, medieval times, um, the king would have a royal taster to ensure that his food had not been poisoned. And uh, perhaps Santa operates under similar logic. Yeah, I mean, why, does, why doesn't he just bring, like, a, a little elf slave to, to taste the cookies for him? All In all of the world, that's probably a lot of cookies. You would need more than one elf. And at that you point... You think they could handle it? Well... Let's say there's, uh, what, 7, 8 billion people on the planet. Let's be conservative and say a quarter to a third of that celebrates Christmas. So that's like, you know, two, 2.5 billion people. And if there's um, about average, let's say four people per household, that's 200 million houses. Um, and in those 200 million houses, let's say that I don't know. What percentage would leave out milk? 40%? Yeah, sure. Okay. <clears throat> and what's 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 a fifth of 240? So it's like 80, 80 million um, houses. And there's obviously several cookies at once. Exactly. So if there's 80 million houses but have like two cookies, uh, or maybe three cookies, that's 240 million cookies. That's a lot for even a, a handful of elves. Wait, it's not a lot for Santa. Well, Santa's fucking fat. <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> I think even the fattest man would get sick of cookies after like the the twelfth house or so. I think you're Maybe being. That's why. I think you're being optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I probably am. So I can I can see why Santa would leave would outsource some of the the royal tasting to houses with a lot of guests in them. Maybe maybe we should uh maybe we should start leaving out pretzels for Santa. Ooh, salted or unsalted? Salted, of course. Okay, and are um, they twisted or just those stick pretzels? Those they're they're the nastiest pretzels you can think of. Ooh, so like store bought bunch in yeah, a plastic just like bag. Hard. Yeah. Yep. We could leave out goldfish pretzels for him. Yeah, we could do that. Mix it up a little. Yeah, you never know. I'm into everything that's happening here. Yeah. Well, we have uh, about a week to think about it. That's true. Um, we're recording this on the 18th, which is a week away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very very thrilled. I'm very readier. And. Uh, I hope that, that Sansa's readier, too. That's right, Mitch. If you know what I mean. So, that's gonna, I guess, bring us to the question of the week. I don't know. Is this question... I the, guess it will. Is this question of the week from Santa Claus, do you think? I sure hope so. Ah, no. A little preview. I saved his question for next week. He'll, uh, so he'll have something to look forward to on his journey. You know how everybody kind of listens to podcasts on their way to work? Yeah, yeah. I like to think so, the same of Santa. So Santa must listen to a lot of podcasts on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I mean... He's been saving them all up. All year? Mm-hmm. If you could only listen to one podcast, because you've been saving it up all year, um, what would you listen to? This isn't the question of the week, I just want to know. Um, if I'm saving it up all year, God, I don't even like podcasts. Come town. Oh. Let's see. I would find a good woodworking podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You like woodworking, son? Yeah, but I feel like you need to you need to like watch that kind of stuff. Watch woodworking. Yeah. Wood watch working. Who watches the wood watch workers? Ooh. How much wood? Would a wood watch watch if a wood watch could watch wood? It's a question for the ages, Mitch. Indeed. But, you know, I, I see what you mean. Perhaps a video podcast would be better suited for that. I don't know. I just like the sounds of scraping wood. You ever, mm-hmm. you ever, yeah, oh, it's, you ever see them get, really like, nice. the, the scraper where they got to file it down just a little bit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm intimately familiar with the sounds and smells of woodworking. Indeed. Sm- <laughs> smells mostly like wood. With a little bit of work. Yeah, but it's like when 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 you when you when you saw it off and you got that some of that like uh, that sand sawdust the 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 the, the smell kind of wafts. Yes. Through. Uh, what I really like is the uh, the customary blow after there's like a lot of sawdust there, where like mm-hmm. and it, it goes flying. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Now it's great that wearing masks has been as normalized as it is. Because um, not wearing a mask while woodworking is just asking for uh, wood lung, as they call it. Mm-hmm. And you got to be careful for that. Yeah, you do. You do. Certainly. 
Anyway, I'm procrastinating. I don't know why I haven't gotten to the question of the week yet. You'll have to forgive me. Um, audience will have to forgive me. Because this week's question of the week comes from a loyal fan, um, Kevin Backus in New York, who asks, Hello, Admirals. Here's a question. When characters in TNG say things like, Oh, impact in 15 seconds. He, he just wrote it in normal text, but I imagine that's how he wanted me to say that. Yeah, yeah um, like uh, Worf, Worf-like. Yes, exactly. Um, how is the timing done on set? Surely when the writers write that line, he has no idea how long it will take the actors to say it. Anyways, thank you for every podcast that you make, Kevin. So, it's kind of an extremely specific question that... Um, I certainly didn't think about. I don't think anybody thought about that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Because no. if Kevin took the time to research this, um, you'd find that any scene with lines like that it does not match up at all. You know, if they say, "Oh, if there's an explosion in five seconds, seven, ten seconds will go by, no problem." Um, the timing is usually off by by a factor of two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no one really cared about that. It's television. It's not real life. Which may come as a surprise, I think, to a lot of instances, um, especially if you're new. Yeah, Star Trek. Um, Star Trek is fiction. Yeah, I, let's get that out on the table first of all. Um, but it's important to know that um, any society that's this peaceful, it's that's just fake to begin with mm-hmm. but yeah the sense of time especially with the demographics of the ship yeah yeah there's no way that um i was gonna say statistically a, speaking i was gonna say a chinaman but there are no chinamen um, there are no chinamen this is true that's you, you gotta go back to tos for that mm-hmm. the old series yes yes <laughs> as as it is called yes indeedy so, I don't know. I appreciate the obsessive fan bullshit question, but at the very least, you could attempt to educate yourself next time, my mm-hmm. man. Maybe, uh, get it together. Get it together. Clean your room. Slay the dragon. You know, touch some dra- Touch some grass. <laughs> touch some dragons. Some dra- <laughs> imagine dragons. What do you want me to imagine them doing? <laughs> uh that's that's not for polite conversation mitch oh no oh no well if you're well if you're like kevin and you don't want to do any research about anything and you just kind of want us to educate you for free then uh send us an email at the ready room at gmail.com with several capital r's and uh if that's not good enough for you you can tweet at us at the ready room on twitter.com and uh We'll probably answer your question no matter what it is at this point. Let's be real. We don't have any standards yeah. anymore. <laughs> We're getting desperate. Indeed. And desperate times call for bad questions. Mm-hmm. 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 That's right. That's right, Mitch. Yeah, that is right, Mitch. Thank you. I just, I was feeding you your line. You just wanted to see what it felt like? Yeah, to be right. To be acknowledged as right for once. As opposed to the uh, never-ending sea of disapproval I face elsewhere. Right. 
Yes. Well, even here, even here. Don't That's worry. true. Let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. So, it's finally time. It's finally time. It's finally season, time. Season three, episode one of Star Trek for the Next Generation. For anybody yes. not keeping score, um, evolution, evolution, evolution. So As I might say I have been waiting. For season three since episode one of the podcast yeah yeah i think we all kind of have been waiting and, for season three and i i will say that it does deliver on feeling more modern than uh before and obviously there's a few reasons for that we'll get into but um i wasn't disappointed because i thought i might be i thought in my head i was kind of building up season three as uh, being something that it wasn't. But it, it, it does feel distinct from the past two. I don't know. Maybe that's just my, my lizard brain. But I think it is. I didn't like this episode very much. Really? I mean, I'm not going to say the episode was great, but the, the, the trappings of it. Oh, were... the tra- oh, of course. The trappings. I, I wasn't even thinking about the trappings. Of course, the trappings were, were much different. Are you are you a, are you a shithead? Than the trappings of of the previous two seasons. He is a shithead. Good lord. <laughs> it was different. It, it felt okay, different. Yes, it was different. It was different. It was different. Uh huh. It was different. Okay, Mitch. It was different. Jeez. No. Whatever. <laughs> I I just how dare you. Really? Well, we we had we had new new costumes, new uh, you know, Worf got a new haircut. Yeah, um, exactly. And all of these things update the show to feel more yeah, yeah. like and, it's and they all they all kind of stay that way going forward. You know, what they call so, yeah. these trappings. Trappings. That's exactly it. You mong. <laughs> all right. Uh, evolution. Evolution. Um, this was the second filmed episode of the season, actually. Uh, first, That's right. First aired, second filmed. The first filmed was Ensigns of Command. Uh, so look forward to that. I, for the record, uh, I am looking forward to that. I, I, Whatever my opinion on this episode, I think that one is much stronger and quite good. Yeah, this, this one felt like a bit of a... Um, a bit of a retread of... What's that one episode where they like find a crystal or something yeah the um things living in it. bags of mostly water <laughs> yeah yeah it, it 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 feels exactly just like that in terms of the interaction with the aliens and then the episode can't decide if it wants to be like a mother-son drama or a, a child scientist messes up and has to deal with the consequences of his experiment drama and in and the it, end it, it becomes neither becomes, it becomes neither, um, or, 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 you know, you have, you have obviously, um, the, the older scientist on board who's trying to groom, uh, <laughs> trying to, <laughs> well, yeah, that he's trying to complete his experiment and, um, can't because of all the stuff that's going on, which I found to be an, uh, an interesting idea for, for a plot point. But, yeah. Um, I mean, to me, that was the A plot. Um, yeah. And. That was a lot more successful than anything else that was really attempted. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think that really. So internally, we we call this episode the M M&M and M show, right? right. Um, 
because it was uh, it was Michael and Michael on this episode, and and they always kind of brought a distinctive flair to to their 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 shows, and um, I think that can be attributed mostly to them that whole plot point, and then the um, the nanite plot point I think kind of got developed later, and so we we end up with a bit of a mishmash of things. Yeah, a real monster mash. It's, it, it's, it was a monster mash. Yeah. Now, not quite the graveyard smash that it could have been, um, given all these disparate elements of varying degrees of success. Yeah. But, you um, know, you, you, you take what you can get. But so we're mostly on the same page here. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, a lot of my enjoyment is more... Uh, how to put this? It's more surface level. Like, oh, it's it's modern. It's season three. It's um, I I I'm familiar with this. You're ta- you're taking refuge in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's the it's the thing that I know, <laughs> which is Fair always enough. good. Yeah, and um, the the plot itself, the dialogue, the story, not not that great, not bad, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I, I agree with you where this feels like a retreading and a less successful retreading than yeah, we've, somehow. we've seen before. Yeah, Somehow less successful, yeah. Um, needless to say, we don't have Pulaski anymore, which uh, there's there's a hole in my heart. Yeah, espe- uh, especially when Gates has that, like, I don't know, the dog haircut. She looks like a I dog. Know. <laughs> you know, it's... She does, yeah. Not not the most attractive appearance. No, but um, I mean, you 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 mat somebody's hair under layers of makeup for for a whole year and see how they come out the other side. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, who did the music for this episode? I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, I really like the opening track to this episode. Um, that's a good question. I have no idea. Was there a change in personnel for this? I don't think there was. I don't know. I mean, that was always done in a separate location. Yeah. But so, I, uh, I I really liked that opening track. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I didn't I didn't note it. Um, I'm sure if I went back to listen to it, I would agree with you. But it didn't grab me, I guess I'll say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's see here. Um, if we were to start with this story, what do you think would be the most logical place to begin talking about it? Well, first of all, I mean, we, we start basically, we, we start with Wesley being woken up by Riker, right? And that's, and, and immediately we, to me, um, yeah. Wesley is what I would describe as uncomfortably old. <laughs> I was going to say something similar, I think, or I felt something similar at least. Yeah, um, his balls drop just a little bit more. But, and, but he's still uh, wearing the onesie. Yeah, and, and now it just it feels it feels like he's kind of aging out of this role right. uh, very rapidly. So yes, um, but we also learn that we uh, we have new uniforms this season. We have new uniforms. See Riker. Yes, and, and he's, got, he's got he's got a little popped collar. It's very striking. The new yeah. uniforms. I, I first of all, I like the design of these a lot more. I'm I don't want to way more. Don't want to fall victim to any kind of bias, but 
Um, I think they're great. <laughs> it was a very controversial topic at the time. Indeed it was. Um, what people will notice is that anybody who's not the main bridge crew, like the main cast, does not have new uniforms. They're still wearing the season two ones, which is, in a from a canon standpoint, very, very strange. But this created quite the dynamic on set where everybody who had the new uniforms kind of got like a power kick from it. Like, oh, look at me. I yeah, have yeah. the new uniform. And they really, really looked down on people who did not because people who did not were like extras, not important, whatever you want to say about them. Mm-hmm. And what really came out of this was that poor Marina... She, uh, Troy, rather, does not have a new wardrobe in this season because she doesn't really wear the normal uniform. Not for, not until like season seven, anyway. And right. she was lumped in with that group of extras. So she just got a ton of bullying from the rest <laughs> of the cast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, uh, for a number of weeks. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know if you remembered, but, you know, Patrick would always kind of come by with a smirk and was like, oh, you're still here, you know, every time she'd show up. <laughs> and it was, uh, it wasn't fair. I, I, I always categorize it as unfair. Frakes got really good at uh, tripping her on set. Yes, yes. And this never, until the conclusion of the show, this this never really subsided. I don't, I don't know why, but it became part of the show's culture at that point. <laughs> well, so some of them were more uh, mild-mannered uh, cast backed off a little bit, but uh, you know true. that 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 just caused the others to double down even harder. Yeah, once once Michael put his foot down and and uh, offered her a seat at the table, the the cast table is an olive branch. Frakes did not like that. Oh man, but there's uh, there's there's so much drama in there. You could probably write an entire documentary about just that. Yes, yes. And then those um, release those, it on Disney costumes. Plus. <laughs> no, it would be on Peacock, Mitch. Oh right, right, right. Um, what, what 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 would you name that? Um, if you had this TNG behind the scenes tell all doc, what would you name it? Uh. I don't fucking know, Mitch. Damn, son. Anyway, um, <laughs> dressed to. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to be it's got to be something to do with dressing up. That's true. Uniforms. All, all dressed up and no space to go. That that is what they say. That is what they say. That's what they say. That's why it's such a clever title, you see. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's evocative. Yeah. Evo uh, no, those those costumes were like three thousand dollars each, I think. That's why we didn't have uh, one for everybody. Right. Yeah. I, we we couldn't afford right dozens of them. So and that's why um, Frank's kept offering to buy Marina for about three grand because he's like, oh, you know, you're not worth three grand. So if I pay you three grand, I can buy you. Um, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. A lot of the bullying focused on that. Which, uh, I mean, it's it's a solid line of reasoning. Yeah, I, I, Frakes was always a good uh, logician in that mm -hmm. way. Yeah, he, he was he was a smart man. He was. 
Some would say he still is, but uh, but I wouldn't say that. Where, where do we go uh, from here? So there's these new. We also there there's there's uh, one one other thing somewhat related that that's not so obvious is that um, Jordy and Warfer are promoted to um, lieutenant commander and lieutenant respectively. Hmm. Um. Because they they change their shirt colors. Pretty good. And um, which which, if if you remember, Mitch caused a lot of confusion. Um, there were a lot of fans who thought they were completely different characters. Right. Because right, the 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 color combination really threw them off. But no, they were just promoted. Um, even in season two, we had a lot of the higher ups. Uh, if you remember, they were kind of kind of breathing down rick's neck about getting these characters promoted because they they you know they were two african-american characters and they were the lowest ranking of the bridge crew mm. um ultimately and uh um we settled on a compromise of just promoting them off screen and never really mentioning it and i i think that i think that worked out for everyone yeah i will say that the point you made is very salient about some fans just not recognizing them there's a lot of star trek fans that have that condition where they don't uh, recognize human faces so well and yeah. the the rank insignia were kind of a godsend for that group so in a way we were very insensitive to that percentage of the population by uh... yeah well we weren't we weren't really sensitive to to the neurodiverse community at the time that's true that's yeah, true not, not the way we are now right um nowadays anytime you buy a star trek dvd set you get you know the requisite um weighted blanket that uh, a lot yeah. of our uh, fans really need to properly enjoy themselves. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, we've come a long way. We have. But, um, so yeah, uh, conti continuing on, we have, um, we have our, our, what you might call the A plot being introduced, right? On the bridge. I think this is the A plot. Um, yeah. The idea is that there's this big uh, solar phenomenon that occurs every 200 years about. And, uh, of course, they don't say 200 years. They say, like, 179 years because 200 years. Oh, no way. It's exactly 200 years, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But there's that. And there's, like, a scientist there whose whole life has been dedicated to studying it. I'm going to sneeze. And running an experiment on that phenomenon. This is his only chance to do it. He's human. He's going to die if he does not. Mm. And that's the big thrust. The um, the inspiration for this came around because Haley's Comet was passing by around the oh, time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It, it Ultimately, it ended up being a little ironic in the sense that the episode aired just as the comet was passing. So nobody really had a chance to go see the comet. But, yeah, you know. It, well, what, I mean, what's what's more impressive? Life imitates art, I like to say. Would you rather watch Star Trek or some dumb comet? Yeah, I mean, you, don't, you can't even really see the comet. It's like two seconds, no. it's gone. No, you know, our, our special effects, you can you can see quite clearly. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's it's much more of a show. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we have this, this very uh, uh, um, arrogant... I guess character. Uh, is he that arrogant? At least at the start, I don't think. Well, he I guess is. not at the start. Yeah, but but I mean, um, 
it, it eventually kind of reveals itself that he's he's uh, somewhat insecure because he's kind of gambled his entire life on this one thing and and uh, all that stuff. Um, uh, what's what's his name? Stubbs. Yeah, Doctor Stubbs. Um, played by the great Ken Jenkins, by the way. Great hmm. guest, wasn't he? Oh he was, yeah. He was, he was a nice guy. Um, he drank us all under the table that one night. Yeah, I, I kept calling him Jen Kenkins. I was so drunk. Jen Kenkins. <laughs> Jen Kenkins. That's right. That's right. And uh, like like a champ, like a gentleman, he uh, he never corrected you. Um, but yeah, uh, he 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 always had this dream, um, this big dream of playing an old. Uh, angry chief medical officer on like a, a middling NBC medical drama. Mm. Um, he talked about it all the time, and uh, I don't know if he ever got there, but uh, you know, much love to much love to Ken. Um, we we love him here. I, he was. I hope he he made his dream in the end. I I, I hope so too. I hope so too. Um, I, I wish we could have gotten him back because he was uh, he was a a lovely person. Um, I thought that so, his character. Um. I, I really don't think of his character as being all, having all that many negative traits, so to speak, because to me, if you're you know a talented scientist, Wunderkind, whatever, um, and literally your entire life has been spent preparing for one moment, it's completely rational to uh, kind of have an outburst of some sort when oh no 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 no, no. his threatens. actions. His actions were completely rational, but I think the scenes with him and Wesley mm. kind of serve to, I mean, when 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 you're calling yourself at the age of whatever he's supposed to be, uh, when you're calling yourself a wonderkind, uh, unironically, well, I, uh, I, I, I think yeah. that that um, kind of uh, betrays a certain kind of insecurity. Yeah, and a lot of that is touched upon in his scenes with Troy, right? Which which are only there so that the audience uh, knows for sure that you're supposed to think that. Yes. <laughs> um, after this episode, but... uh, after we wrapped on it, I just off without really planning to, I kept using the phrase, um, turn off your beam into my soul. It came up more often than you think. Is that from the episode? Yeah, that's what what he says to Troy. He sits down at the table and he's like, "Oh, with all due respect, counselor, turn off your beam into my soul." <laughs> I didn't, I didn't notice that at all. That's so stupid. <laughs> um, one thing I really enjoyed was his his first, again the the, the Wonderkind thing. Yeah, where he had to explain what it meant for the <laughs> audience. That yeah, that's um, really funny when he says, "Oh, Wunderkind, it means Wonder Child." It's like, thanks. <laughs> he asks Wesley if he knows what it means, and it's like, well, if Wesley didn't know what that meant, I don't think he'd be the uh, <laughs> the kind of kid you'd be talking to anyway. There's something just hilarious about praising a child for being, um, you know, a Wunderkind. And then explaining really anything to him on a yes that yes. simple uh, yeah on on such a base linguistic level right um, <laughs> although you know maybe maybe Wesley's autistic you know maybe maybe he's just really good at science and he has trouble communicating who knows it's a lot of people in this show really good at science and bad communication <laughs> skills a lot of people who watch this show hey uh so he he has like an egg 
or he something. calls it an egg. He in, calls it the egg in a truly bizarre egg. line of dialogue. I, I've spent years uh, make laying this egg, making this egg. Now you have to lay it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which um, what does that make him in, uh, in this in this metaphor? Mother Goose. No, but the goose would lay the egg. Uh, if he's making the egg, what is he, the jizz? The rooster, I suppose, yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. Now, have you ever thought about this? How how roosters impregnate hens? Have I thought about it? Yeah, have you thought about it? Not not in detail, no. Why have you? I've attempted to, but I just don't really know where they'd begin. Like, I don't know what the genitalia is like on a bird. No, they have a cloaca. What's that? It's like a uh, a combination uh, sex, shit, and piss hole. Wait, isn't it pronounced cloaca? It might be cloaca. I don't know. Okay. Well, I pronounce it. I use the British pronunciation. Mitch. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna Google this. Uh, cloaca. Oh, uh, well, Latin for the word sewer. Kind of gross. Or maybe they don't have sex through there. I'm not sure. Cloaca bird? Ah, gross. Alright. I've I've had my fill. Hold on. Um, when a rooster mates with a hen, he mounts her and standing on her back, lowers his cloaca... And the hen inverts her own cloaca to meet with his. There is no penetration. Interesting. Ew. This sounds a lot like my night last night. <laughs> what the hell? I mean, do, do they get pleasure from this? I wonder. Because I, 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 I wonderkind. I wonder. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyway, that's that's how chickens have sex. All right. <laughs> so now that we got that out of the way, now that we fully understand this metaphor, um, the Enterprise is going to lay this egg into some kind of storm or whatever, right? Right. So the storm is the is the the bedding of the nest or the the coop wherever chickens are, and uh, the egg is the egg. The Enterprise is the hen, and Stubbs is the rooster with its cloaca. And and uh, Picard is the bump on the log on the frog <laughs> at the bottom of the sea. I mean, you, you don't, don't bully him because he's bald like that. So, this, so there's a lot of tension in the episode around getting this egg out there. <laughs> so... I, I, <laughs> you, might, you might even say there's a tot of tension. Uh, what? I don't understand. I probably missed it, or maybe they didn't explain it. What happens when the egg gets launched into the storm? Oh, Jesus. Um, I think it just records the phenomenon. It's just, it's, it's a very vague oh. experiment. The, okay. Uh, we're okay. doing an experiment. <laughs> they didn't have the creativity to come up with what the hell would happen. Right. Or why right. why it's shaped like an egg, who knows. Fair enough, fair enough. This this episode is getting better and better as we discuss it. Hell yeah. Um 
So meanwhile, we have we have uh, the obligatory um, the Crusher is back on the Enterprise scene. Yep. Where she goes into the ready room and she's having trouble with she's having trouble relating to Wesley because it's been a whole year. It's been a very long year. Hey, and all of a sudden she doesn't know her son anymore. She missed two inches of him. Okay. Calm down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a very strange decision to mention Wesley's canonical penis size, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I wasn't the artist in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they they work in mysterious ways, and so yeah, there's there's this little bit of drama where she's trying to i don't even know what she's trying to do like crusher seems to be the insecure one here yeah her problem with wesley is that he's not enjoying his child childhood adolescence enough um yeah he's like oh he's got too much responsibility and wesley's comes when he when he hears this he just says yeah i have responsibilities it doesn't really go anywhere no (laughs) At, at the end they just show wesley with other teenagers and it's like okay i have trouble buying that uh, wesley would be popular but okay this it's the well i I could imagine he would be considering he saved the enterprise like twice oh yeah um (laughs) hey you you guys remember when we all got drunk and i saved the day (laughs) that was the end of um several deleted scenes actually those characters did show up the teens in this episode yeah oh i don't remember them being on set that much yeah, um, well, they they weren't they weren't on set that much per se, but they were around, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, added nothing to the episode. No, no, they, all of that was dumb. Glad but, we're on the same page here. Fucking yeah. dumb. So, at the same time, now the Enterprise is. Oh no! Wait, wait. What happens? They, they some accident happens and Stubbs gets like knocked over. No, this is um, this is post nanites, I think. No. No. Well, I mean, to a degree, yeah, but not. It's it's not it's not it's before they discover the nanites. I only remember him getting electrocuted. There was another incident. Yeah, yeah. Like the ship gets rocked. He's on the bridge. Uh-huh. I don't know. Did we watch the same episode? Did Stubbs make two appearances? I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, who gives a no, shit? No, but, but because, because, no, because this is where we first find out that um, that the, the, the coffee machine in yeah. Med Bay isn't working. But that's not, that's not after he gets electrocuted. Wait, so Stubbs is the one in medical getting uh, attended to at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it must have been very minor then. Like I see, I, I know what you're talking about the the replicators on the Fritz, and you know that's that is Crusher's introductory scene. But I just don't remember it being Stubbs that whose whose injury instigated that. Um. Yeah, yeah. They 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 accidentally like run into. Something. (laughs) 
Actually, this happens before pretty much anything else in the episode. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, I remember the issue. They're, they lose their propulsion, and the ship starts drifting into the the solar flare or whatever it is yeah yeah like they're about to launch the egg and then and then yeah they they start like drifting yeah yeah and then they have they have to kind of like re re-maneuver back and um stubs falls over okay um well it's easy enough yeah, to so, imagine that yeah so all all while all this is happening uh like this random stuff is happening on the ship stuff's going wrong um picard can't order his earl gray tea yep yep everything's uh, fucked up lights are flickering they imagine uh, that there's a borg ship because their sensors are off yeah that's that's where it really starts going haywire they 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 see a, a phantom borg ship i'm not sure why um their ship is programmed to be able to do that but you know maybe, maybe it's wharf again maybe Worf's program Maybe he's just uh, playing pretend. Like, it's just a coincidence that Worf's fantasy <laughs> aligned with uh, with this. Now, I want to point There's out... A red herring. I was watching this, and I, wait, I've seen this before. Not just from that earlier episode with the uh, uh, bags of mostly water crystals, but mm-hmm. in Season 7, there's an episode where the ship evolves to gain a kind of sentience. Yeah, <laughs> a lot like this. Now, this one it's these nanites that Wesley made, but in season seven it's the ship itself, and it's it's crazy to me just how similar these two plot lines are. The nothing on the ship, the none of the controls work. Uh, the the crew can't command it, um, mm-hmm. and they're in danger of the ship just uh, inadvertently killing them. Um, very extremely similar plot lines in kind of a crazy yeah. way yeah uh so yeah yeah we're, we're, we're getting a like a convergence of a lot of reused stuff here uh which doesn't bode well for anything least of all the writer's creativity no certainly not so so um and i'm pretty sure this happened even in another episode too where the the, the ship just like isn't working right it's a common uh, theme. Oh, we can't yeah. control the ship. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So at some point, stuff starts going like really bad, right? Like, like they can't control anything. Um. Stars and Stripes Forever starts playing on the bridge. Yep. In which uh, one we of... we went way over budget on that. Yeah, I don't know if it was worth it. It was one of the more festive moments of the show's run entire in its entirety. Yeah. Yeah, well, Rick. Rick felt this scene was uh, as the the key to this episode. Mm. Um. So, he he personally contacted the Sousa estate and kind of negotiated this. Um, and not a good negotiator. And do, um, do you know that Sousa made the Sousa phone? I did. I did. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a brilliant invention, Mitch. Well, I feel kind of uh, kind of silly then that you, I told you something you already knew. Well, you know, maybe the Ensigns didn't know that. Ensigns, did you know that? Why don't you explain how a sousaphone works? Um, well, it's much like any... Okay, so here's the thing. You would think that 
it's all in the uh, how hard you blow into it. But yeah, a more tempered breath control isn't necessary at times with uh, items like the sousaphone. But I have a disdain for horns in, in a lot of their entirety. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am somewhat triggered by needing to explain the sousaphone. I, you I don't like horns. I don't like horns. So you're not like big on the rhinoceros? Right. Well, I mean, to be fair, I don't want to... Um, mince my words here, but you could describe that as more of a tusk. If you know what I mean. The sousaphone or the rhino? The rhino. Now, here's something. Um, when you say tusk, you could also say Tuskegee, like the airmen. Like the airmen. Yes. And, you know, it reminds us of a simpler time. It certainly does. Anyway, the Sousa estate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Sousa. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, we 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 spent we spent a ton of money on that song. Um, we even added a line for for Brent to say to identify the song to the audience, so the money wouldn't be wasted. Right. Um, because you know, we, we, the audience wouldn't be able to pick that up themselves. Um, I like to imagine it's a, bit of, a bit of a niche song. An alternate universe of this episode where instead of Stars and Stripes Forever, it, it, the computer plays wet ass pussy. <laughs> Dude, it's, that would actually uh, fit a lot better. It's wet ass pussy, Captain. Uh, a pop <laughs> song from the early 21st century. Captain, what is this pussy? <laughs> and why is it so wet? <laughs> Captain, do, Riker's, do, does Riker's a sitting there smirking. does a wet ass pussy not describe an ass that is wet? <laughs> I cannot determine if the song is describing an ass or a pussy, Captain. Ah, I see. Ass is used as a superlative in early twenty-first <laughs> century parlance. <laughs> And then Picard, like, knowingly nods because he's in love with the classics. <laughs> Picard starts twerking. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a classical dance, Mr. Data. <laughs> a dance move known to all men of culture, Mr. Data. From a simpler time. (laughs) (sighs) The the episode wouldn't be able to continue after that. (laughs) After twerking Picard, no. (laughs) That would be the the apex Star Trek. Who's who's the no nonsense guy that comes in and stops it? Oh God, O'Brien. Gets a call from the Admiral. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell's going on here? I'll have none of your asses. None of your wet pussies. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Picturing the card leading the entire bridge crew in a twerk. <laughs> oh, Nelly. This is this is it's such a vivid image. <laughs> well, you know us. Usually we we try our best to suggest better versions of um <laughs> better ways the episode could have gone. Yeah. <laughs> the ship plays wet ass pussy. <laughs> they immediately become friends with the nanites. <laughs> oh baby. Okay. Anyway. Stars and stripes forever. Um, yes. They they figure out how to shut this down though, somehow. Yeah. They cut power to the bridge, is what they do. Oh right, right. And, and, and I, then and then I cards think, like yeah. the the bridge as it is or something is yours. <laughs> I think at this point, Wesley they cut to that scene of Wesley um trying to find his nanites by laying mouse traps around ten forward. <laughs> <laughs> which makes a lot of sense when you think about it yeah it does um uh, yeah and, and he talks to Guinan. right right who's in this episode yeah and um i i want to know who wrote this frankenstein stuff yeah i i think they wanted to use an, a, a literature reference and that was the only book they knew <laughs> Getting a lot of Frankenstein vibes from this. <laughs> uh, very jarring lines. Yes, yes, indeedy. Very stupid lines. I mean, I think there's a lot of stupid lines in this episode, but this is certainly one of them. Do you have you read uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? I uh, thankfully have not. All right. Well, I'll have you know that Frankenstein was the the scientist. Oh. Yes. Wow. I don't believe you. It's true. No, I, I no. No. Frankenstein is the big green guy. With the bolts in his neck? With the bolts in his neck. <laughs> and and the dumb haircut. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that one. <laughs> There's also <laughs> equally stupid dialogue later on with the um the baseball scenes yeah the baseball scenes yeah um yeah uh stubs well see this this was an effort on our writer's part to make sure the audience knew that um that fun just didn't exist in the future so um the inspiration for stubs here was that like he he had no choice but to make up baseball games in his head right it was the only entertainment he had a, a bleak future, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lesser-known reference from this these scenes is that the recorded st- statistics are from a Negro League game. The old Negro oh. Leagues, yeah. And um, I think most people wouldn't catch that, but it's our, our kind of throwback to, to a bygone era in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. So if you go to, yeah. uh, I think, what is the name of the Baseball Stats website? It might just be BaseballStats.com. You can find the game he's quoting. It's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool reference, Mitch. Yeah. As, and, as references uh, often are. 
I, I like when I when I when I hear something that I'm familiar with. Yes, and I know how familiar you are with uh, Negro League baseball. I, I do. I do have. There's a place in my heart for Negro League baseball. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. We all could. It would. It would do well to have more Negro League baseball in our lives. It was a sad day when the Negro League was disbanded. Mm. Um, not just for baseball reasons, but for Negro but, reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And league reasons. <laughs> now, do their knees really grow like that? Yeah, haven't you seen them? No, never in yeah, they're, person. They're always like, yeah, they're they're a little weird. I see. I see. But you know, we, we used to listen to them on the radio, so you'd never really see them. Right. You know, I used to be under the impression that the Negro Leagues were just a front, because uh, I only ever heard the the radio broadcasts that uh, it would it was just some white guys playing, and they wanted more market share, so they they called it the Negro League. They want. They wanted market share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that would be uh, quite the racket. Uh, playing an entire game of baseball with white guys uh, pretending to be black. You'd have to inflate some of the statistics to be sure. Yeah. Like you would. There would have to be more stolen bases. Uh. <laughs> more fouls. Yeah, yeah, more fouls. Um, it, it's a different game, really. But, you know, running a racket has never been easy. We we both know that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, uh... Yeah, go on. So, uh, are we still talking about the Negro Leagues? Um, no, no. No, th- <laughs> thank God, no. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to figure out where we are here. Um, um, evolution. Uh, oh, right. Star Trek The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 1, Evolution. Yes, yes, yes. Um, not uh, so Negro now, League Baseball. Now Wesley's running around like telling everyone what's happening. Yeah, and this is kind of out of left field, this whole My Science Nanite Project thing. Yeah. I don't really... Excuse me. I don't really get why this is where the episode's going or why rather why it went this way with so little setup you could you know it's 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 stupid at the very beginning when Riker pages wesley um why not have Riker show up in wesley's room oh what are you working on wes and it's like oh it's these nanites and they're right they're special whatever <laughs> right yeah or, or or like i mean and then it's like oh the, the nanites escaped how what do you mean the nanites escaped? They escaped and started fucking, apparently. Yeah. Um, and I think I think a lot of this can be explained by the fact that um, the nanite thing, as I, as I said earlier, this this was added kind of later on in, in the script writing. Yeah. It, and it feels uh, like our science it. Advisor, our science advisor, Dave, is the one who came up with them because he read the original script and, um, well, he thought it was ridiculous. It was, it was originally about... Um, Wesley being the only crew member who would be able to communicate with this race of microscopic fairies um, who were trying to reach Nirvana by frying themselves in the ship's computer, uh, which would, of course, overload the ship and, you know, cause all these same kinds of problems um, by them just uh, 
throwing themselves um, suicide bombing. Exactly. And it's in, like uh, into the mainframe. Do we stop their culture? Do we respect it? But if we're, we right. ourselves are at risk, you know, it's the whole thing. Right. Right. And, and I would imagine eventually they would all, um, the, the, the crew would broker a deal where they assist with their suicide in some other way. Right. And this, this plot um, line was later recycled in the season seven episode where Wesley helps the crew commune with those space Indians. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I guess, you know, it, it had some time to kind of stew the right. idea. Percolate. And, and we reached, yeah. Um, but yeah, so you can kind of see, you know, the nanites escaped. Oh, the fairies escaped. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. So, um, but the, the the concept of nanites is just so abstract Yeah, that uh, it does nothing for me. It's it's hard to feel the the threat of them or the significance, and yeah. what's weird to me is to drive this point home. The Stubbs Stubbs's reaction to this, where he's like, oh, "I don't care, just fucking kill them, or turn them off. They're robots, whatever. Who gives a shit?" Um, right. There's that. However, um, as like the the foremost scientist. It, it, perhaps in the Federation, you would think that he would have a, a greater tolerance and understanding for what's yeah. going on here, which <laughs> is a weird uh, amount of tension between, okay, we're going to have the relatable audience reaction so that our crew can explain why things are what they are, uh, the, why they're reacting the way they are, or we're going to have a consistently written character that, that makes sense. And well... I think I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you there because I do think, as we talked about earlier, Stubbs is a guy who's spent years and years of his life focused on this one single thing that will only happen once in his lifetime and not again for another however many years. Yeah, I, it's, I still hold that opinion, but a lot of his reactions to the situation come across as just not understanding it. Um. Oh, yeah. I mean, I suppose so. But he is also like an old dude, and nanites are... Dude, what are you talking about? He's a, he's a wunderkind. He's, he, is, he is a wunderkind. I thought it was a little weird once he started talking to Wesley about the white man's burden. Yeah. That was a strange, strange writing decision. Yeah. Um, but, in any case... Um, the, the white, I, the I, white I man's I... burden is truly to memorize all the minutiae of the Negro Leagues. And preserve it <laughs> for the future. Um, that 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 makes too much sense, Mitch. It's, it's getting dangerous. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I I think I don't think his characterization is terribly inconsistent. I think you know you know he's not a nanite. Well, well, you know, but but then then he's like, oh, I saw where the nanites are made. Yeah. So yeah, okay. That throws a wrench into my whole thing because it's like, why would he, why would he be uh, at at the ground floor of where nanites are created if he didn't have an interest in nanites? Right. I, I think it's a small inconsistency and not a terribly problematic one, but well, it's I, not I, sexist, so that's true. But I, I do identify it as uh, being inconsistent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I think I think you've got a point there. Um. 
but I, I can still see why he's 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 upset and wants to hurry this along. Yeah, uh, like his decision to attack the Nanites uh, makes sense to me. Um, yeah, and that's that's what ends up happening. He goes and fires radiation at them, and then is restrained by Data in a in a way that I I can never not find funny. Like I think it was Data and Riker, maybe Data Jordy, um, kind of rush stubs after he fires at the nanites and they just kind of mm. kind of slowly rush him yeah yeah there's yeah. Not, not a lot he of just, he just lets them do it there's not a lot of kineticism in, in the scene or the acting no it's just kind of funny <laughs> um yeah and then he gets electrocuted right they the nanites fire back they electrocute him and some they great they strike back some great physical acting on on his part, where uh, he like just splays his arms out at, at an audience. <laughs> I'm electrocuted. That is what happens when you get electrocuted. <laughs> yeah, but you don't want to show that. I want to see like him him vibrating, like, you know, like very comically. He, he should have shit himself. <laughs> he collapses into that security officer's arms, and he's like, it smells like shit. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? Would have been a funnier moment to be sure. Now, the resolution of all this, where they use Data as a conduit to commune with the nanites, I th- I thought was pretty silly. I mean, how else? How else were they going? Like that's that's why they have Data around as a character. I I would think that when they were communicating in binary, like that would have been enough. Yeah, probably. I mean, all all this episode really needed at its conclusion was the uh, the, the nanites as data walking up to Wesley and calling him like father. <laughs> 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 Which I'm surprised it's so on the nose. I'm surprised it didn't happen. That's true. A, a scene of um, uh, Wesley like in his room. Picard comes to counsel him, and Wesley's like, I I don't know how to deal with becoming a god to these people and then picard is like well wesley in every man's life he becomes god to something (laughs) and the key is the key is not what you made but how you treat it there's some other bullshit advice wesley have you ever heard the song wet ass pussy (laughs) computer And they, they, they eventually do uh, complete the experiment, right? Yeah, they just do it. You know, it's just it's just kind of done without much fanfare. Um, yeah, so... Uh, they poop out that really, egg. They, they, they lay the egg. The, the, the cloacas, cloacas have been merged. <laughs> Indeed they have. And um, um, everyone's better off for it. Yeah, uh, the, everything just gets resolved with no... Like once it is resolved, you realize how how little how how low the stakes were. Right. They have the conversation with Data as as the nanites. Then, within the span of like twenty seconds, um, the experiment is carried out, and the doctor's happy, and, and that's it. The vagueness of the experiment really comes back and shows itself because there's nothing really to show. It's just it happened. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of ridiculous. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was just boring. Very boring. Very boring. And then like I'm bored just talking about it. Oh yeah, this is the most boring episode of the Ready Room we've ever done. And um, then there's like three minutes of resolution of the Doctor Crusher is worried about Wesley sub subplot. Oh yeah, she's she's sitting at the bar, and uh, we we have a a, a quote funny scene. Yeah, uh, I just I don't really understand um, Guinan's role here. Or really anybody's. Like, sure, Guinan. She she, she, Crusher just needed another woman to talk to. Right. Guinan's like, oh, in a race of listeners? What does that mean? What are you saying about black people? Because <laughs> it's not accurate. <laughs> How many husbands did Guinan have? Yeah, it's very strange. A lot of husbands, a lot of children. I, I Yeah, so I'm really... At this point, I'm really confused as to what Guinan is. Because Q is scared of her. She's had 15 husbands. Um, but she acts like a human being. Right. And this is never elaborated upon. Perhaps... And we all know anyone who gets divorced is less than human. This is true. Inshallah. <laughs> you would never stop saying Inshallah on set. It was miserable. I, I, I was well, embarrassed for you. We had our prayer rugs and... I know, I know, but Inshallah is not strictly a part of that. Sure. Look, it's a nice word. Just rein it in sometimes. Okay. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> in, in, inshallah. The... That was, um, we now, when Darmok rolled around, we did make that joke a lot on set. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's always about Darmok with you. It was a good time. You're not going to be able to contain yourself once we get to Darmok. Oh, that's going to be the week that I'm sick and have to take the the show off. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, going to uh, be. You, know, you, you never get a day off, Mitch. I know you see to that. Mm-hmm. My keeper over here. Oh, I never, I never let you rest. No, I want to rest. That's... I'm tired. No, not 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 tonight. No. I don't want to be readier. <laughs> you're gonna be readier. And you're gonna like it. Today you can be readier. Just once. So <laughs> <laughs> this is readier herself. <laughs> uh, we 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 need to continue talking about this scene though. Because, yeah, Wesley walks in with, with uh, what appears to be a girl who is interested in him. A, an attractive girl. An once attractive again, girl. explicitly stated. Because uh, I, I, I don't think they trusted, again, the audience to ascertain whether or not this, this, this young teen pussy was hot or not. Right, right. So uh, Crusher says, oh, it's an attractive girl that he's with. And then she, I guess she wants to date her too because she's like, "Oh, tell me everything you know about her." All right, <clears throat> yeah. Here, let me read you her memory alpha um, article. Crushers, that's gonna take some time. No, no, no. The girl that was with Leslie. Oh, uh, let's okay. Start with her name. Annette. Okay. 
Annette was a young female civilian aboard the USS Enterprise D in 2366. She was a friend of Wesley Crusher and part of a group of young people observed by Beverly Crusher and Ken Forward <laughs> shortly after her return to the Enterprise D. Annette seemed somewhat, somewhat attracted to Wesley, um, driving Beverly to ask Guinan for information about the girl. Background information. Annette was played by actress Amy O'Neill, who received no credit for her appearance. Their name originated from a scripted source. Her character originally had several lines of dialogue with Wesley and another Enterprise D youth, Eric, but the scene was cut for time. Annette and Eric wanted Wesley to join them on a holodeck ski trip, which always seems to be what kids do on the holodeck. Uh, but he was too busy to work. He was too busy with work to join them. Later, Annette was injured when the nanites caused the holodeck to malfunction. Oh my so god! There you go. You you can see where that plot would run. I, I can't believe we were deprived of something so so great like this. I know. It's a damn shame. It's a goddamn shame. Well. Oh well. <laughs> yep. Maybe that's that's the episode. I mean, I think we are in agreement that it's not that great. If no, it's not. If you had taken this and placed it in the middle of season three, where um, I'm once again accustomed to the more contemporary look of the show, um, then I wouldn't have very many positive things to say about it. Uh, so. In that respect, I don't want to praise it, but I am happy to be in season three. Yeah, I I guess so. I guess I'm happy to be here too. Uh, I'd rather never watch this episode again, though. Yeah, there's not anything really to get from it. No, 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 no outstanding performances. No interesting plot. No, no twerking. Nothing even. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't get it out of my head. Just that image. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's nothing even funny about it. No, no, there's not. Um, at all, really. It, it it's got it's it's not like a terrible offensive episode. It's just kind of boring, you know. It's got nothing going for it explicitly. Maybe it doesn't have yeah. so much detracting, but it's got no positives. Right. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's it, huh? Which, to be fair, is a step above kind of what the dregs of seasons one and two were. Yeah, sort of, sort of. I mean, it's definitely not uh, skin of evil. This is true, but what is? I can't believe they had the balls to show a clip of that uh, in in the uh, the clip show season two. Yeah. Hey, how about this skin of evolution? Ooh. That's it. You writing that down? I typed it down. Typed it down. Typed it down. Dicked it down. <laughs> I did not dick it down. <laughs> As the kids say. Is is that what the kids say? The kids do say it. Like I'm, I'm gonna dick. Like is that a greeting or a farewell? Like dick you down. No, it's it's like it's like uh, it's like looking someone up and down. Oh, so just. Yeah. Can can women dick men up and down, or is it a one way? No, usually usually it's one way. I I, I heard my daughter say it to uh, to her boyfriend the other day. Like, what, what did she say? She she said she said she's like, 
Why don't you, why don't you come over here and, <laughs> and tick me down? Oh, so did you three have dinner together? Yeah, and I, I asked her what it meant, and she told me. Oh, okay. That's good. It's good to, to get it straight from the horse's mouth. Right. Not not that, you know, your daughter looks like a horse, but, well, I mean. But she, she sounds like one. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, <laughs> all the neighing she does. All the neighing. <laughs> See that's the 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 kids maybe ten years ago, five years ago they had this song about being uh, pretending to be a horse. <laughs> right. They they kept saying "Watch me, nay nay." Yeah, they did. They did. <laughs> it's a very special episode. Um, all right, can I, can I go to my trivia for you? Yes, please. Oh. <laughs> so we got a lot of changes this, this episode, this season. Right? That, changes. Stick with the show. Yes. This, stick with the show for a long time. We got the costume <laughs> changes. We have Crusher coming back. There's something we didn't mention, though. What's um, that? That was changed. Well, that's the question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was changed starting this season. And stays that way through the rest of the show. Okay. Um, and it's uh, it's a repeated thing. Okay. Every episode. Mm, is it the intro? It's the uh, intro. Yes. It's the intro. Yeah, I've been skipping it, so I was very yeah, unsure. I, I, I thought I would get you on that. <laughs> because you, I know you skip it. Yeah. Damn, too too good. I'm too good. Good job. What's different job. about it? Uh, it's completely different. Like the old one showed like planets and stuff. This this new one is just like some like nebulous blue cloud or something. Okay, is it still not um somewhat transparent portraits of the the main cast transposed on top of planets? It's definitely not that. Uh, okay, that's what I would do for the for the intro. It's like, you know, the camera swooshes by Saturn and there's Patrick in front of it with his arms folded. Um, I, I would do I would do I would do like a like a complete silhouettes of of the cast and then put their their faces like in the crotch area. <laughs> now is this in space? Yeah, yeah. Like 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 you're saying, you show the planet, silhouette on top, and then and then their face like on the crotch area. Okay, I'm into it. I'm into it. Do you think that that sets the tone appropriately for what's about to transpire? Um, yeah, I think so. Perfect. I think so. Um, you know, especially with Wesley's two inches. Right, right. The uh, the, t- the two inches that Dr. Crusher canonically missed. <laughs> God, I really miss his two inches, she said. <laughs> I guess that's uh. Do you, do you think that Wesley ever dicked her down? Just kind of like look her at look her to and fro. Yeah, I know. I I can imagine he's he's dicked her down quite a few times. Right. You know, I think that there's got to be, um, Wesley Crusher dicking down Doctor Crusher fan fiction out there. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Why don't we uh? Why don't we prepare some for next time? Yeah. There we go. We'll look it up. I'll, uh, I'll 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 look that up on my own time. I'll I'll leave you be. Let me know what you find, and uh, 
Yeah. You know, re- record your your research session. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of another magical episode of the Ready Room. Um, I regret to inform those at home that we have cut some of our ties with our sponsors so far, but what that means is there's space in our hearts for a new sponsor out there. Um, if you would like to um, be in contact, send all business inquiries to um, the Ready Room Business at yahoo.com. And um, we'll be in touch. But with that out of the way, that'll be it for us today. Join us next time where we cover another magical episode of Season 3. Have an even more magical episode of The Readier Room Season 3. And until then, I implore you and yours to have a very Merry Christmas. And please, stay readier. The Troublesome Little Man Child. Lowest of species. Thank you, Ensign. Engage. Do you consider yourself superior to us? Should have told him to mind his own damn business. But I stroke the beard thusly. Do I not appear more intellectual? Have you never dreamed of climbing inside the bottle bottle?